from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I grapple with this day and night. This is not sustainable. That homeschool connection. I wonder how they're doing now. Are they doing okay? Have to get creative. We have a lot of friends who are teachers. Um, That's who's not okay. (laughs) You know, and my girls who are vaccinated are still in danger. I was still in quarantine when school began. Do you feel like at this point your district is at risk of needing to close or move to virtual simply because of staff shortages? I'm Sarah Fenske. As COVID cases surge yet again in Missouri, schools are grappling with extremely complicated issues. How to keep staffing levels high enough to stay open. How to satisfy parents with, shall we say, wildly divergent demands. How to keep kids safe. Our producer Emily Woodbury spoke yesterday to teachers Ashley Walsh of Edwardsville High School and Myla Sparks of East St. Louis Senior High School. The two teachers shared just a bit about what they're dealing with right now. Just when you think we're we're on the upswing, bam, our legs get knocked out from under us and, and here we are, you know, almost right back where we started. COVID numbers really did go up and I saw it in my family. My uncles, my sisters, a couple of people at my church, it was just kind of outlandish and I caught it right at the end. So I was still in quarantine when school began. The student asked me today, they like, are we going to be back next week? And I said, I'm hopeful. I really want you guys back too. And, and that's what I'm hearing. We don't like remote. And I'm like, I know. I don't like it either. And they're doing okay. They're picking themselves up by their bootstraps and saying, we're going to get through this and we're going to do it, but we can't do it forever. The first year was just hectic. We didn't know what we didn't know. It was like, jumping into a deep sea somewhere in the middle of nowhere. This year I have, I've learned a lot from last year and I know what platform forms work best for math. And I have literally used it to my fullest ability. Teachers are the ones that go above and beyond to help their colleagues or help the students and and do what needs to be done. And if that is PE teachers or art teachers covering classes, um, that's what we're doing, but it's not sustainable. At some point, enough is enough, and and, and we break. As teachers, we don't really stop and do things for ourselves, but this is the moment and this is the period of um, the time that we're living in where we have to take those days to where we're just reflecting and taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of our students. When we go home at night, our brains don't shut off. I, I worry about certain students at all times. There's always kids that I'm thinking about, and, and even students that I had last year that I knew struggled. I'm thinking, oh, man, I wonder how they're doing now. Are they doing okay? And, you know, maybe I should reach out to them. And, and so I guess maybe that's it, that we don't just take – we're not – just consumed with ourselves or our personal families, like we take the load of your children too. And so to remember that, that their children are on our minds all the time. 
And those are high school math teachers Ashley Walsh of Edwardsville High School and Myla Sparks of East St. Louis Senior High School. And if you're a teacher, administrator, or even parent dealing with these issues, we're curious how you're doing right now, how you're handling things. Call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. Now, the Jennings School District has been grappling with the question of safety longer than just about any other school district in the region. The North St. Louis County District returned to in-person learning in the summer of 2020. That's back when most districts didn't believe it could be done properly. They brought kids and teachers back without hardly any community spread, and they showed the rest of the region that it was possible. Well, now they may be facing their biggest hurdle yet. And joining us now to talk about it is Paula Knight. She is the superintendent of the Jennings School District. Paula, welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you, Sarah. So we appreciate you making the time to even talk to us today with so much going on for school administrators. How are you doing these days? Well, it it, it is a challenge. Um, you know, I, I would not sit here and say that it's been easy, and this is actually the message that I sent um, to the district last Friday, you know, just sending words of encouragement and support. And, and the one quote that I did say is that, you know, no one can say that this is easy because it's not. When we're talking about, you know, children who are in our educational care every single day for six and a half hours a day, it is difficult. Um, we have kids in person and we do have some kids who are virtual and still ensuring that, you know, they are still, everyone is still receiving that quality instruction. But, you know, Sarah, these are, these are some tough times right now. You mentioned you have some kids that are virtual. That's something that people could choose as an option at at the beginning of the school year? So we gave families the option um, back in August uh, with the understanding that we would come back from winter break going into the second semester where we would be completely in person. Um, Well, that was certainly the plan, um, but as we all know that, you know, plans, there's always a plan B. Um, And there are some families, uh, due to a number of reasons, we still want families to feel comfortable. Um, Parents still want their kids learning, but they want them to feel comfortable at the same time and still allowing them to have that virtual option. And are there a a number of families that take advantage of that in the Jennings District? uh, We have just about, uh, just under 200 uh, kids who've taken advantage of it um, for one reason or another, um, but they are taking the the virtual option. And 200, that's a, a relatively small percentage for your district, is that right? That is correct. It is a small number, um, but, you know, at the same, like I said, ensuring that we have that comfort level for all of our kids and families. So this was something you originally offered in August, thinking it wouldn't even need need to be an option at this point in the year. <laughs> oh yeah, COVID has other plans. Did you oh, hear? Did you hear from parents who hadn't even thought about it in August, who come January are like, "No, please, I really yes. want to make the switch." Yes, yes, indeed, we did hear from some new families, um, and you know, here again, you know, just monitoring the numbers, monitoring, you know, making sure they're getting online making sure that they're logging on every day, and they are, um, but there are some new families who had their kids in in person first semester uh, who've opted for the virtual option this semester. And it sounds like, again, that's not a large percentage. It is something you've noticed, but but not a a huge number of families going that route. It's not a large number, um, you know, and that number is also inclusive of, of high school kids doing credit recovery, 
Um, so when you really look at the at the numbers and you look at it school by school, it, it it's not um, it's not a very large number. Okay, so there are some people saying um, that they think schools should shut down at this point. That Omicron is just spreading too much, and that they're worried. And they say we should have all kids at home at this point. What makes you want to stay in person despite how difficult it is to do that at this point? Yeah, Sarah, I appreciate that question. And this is, you know, I, I grapple with this day and night. Um, you know, there's one side of the coin is keeping kids in school um, because we know that some children struggled with virtual with the virtual option. Keeping them in school, keeping them masked up, that we're still exercising all of our mitigation practices. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm looking at school by school and looking at those positivity rates, looking at, you know, how many kids are actually positive, how many staff members um, and there have been instances where I've closed some classrooms, looking at our most vulnerable population of kids, which are the preschool kids, mm-hmm. the four-year-olds, um, you know, just over-mitigating uh, those practices to ensure that we have, those, have them covered and keep them safe. So there are about three rooms that, you know, we did close uh, just to ensure that, you know, we sanitize those classrooms uh, and get them ready to come back next week. So you mentioned the preschool kids. These are kids who can't be vaccinated. As a preschool mm-hmm. parent, though, these are also yeah. the hardest kids to teach online. Does that dichotomy keep you up at night? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And, you know, so we, you know, have to get creative to ensure that we still have that homeschool connection where teachers can actually call um, and maybe do some FaceTiming with kids, you know, but to sit down and, and expect a four-year-old to log on uh, every morning at 8 o'clock is unrealistic. Um, so we have to have those creative options where we're still staying connected to our families. You know, hey, make sure, you, you know, we're checking the, the website. We have some, some work for kids to do. Um, and parents have really been receptive to that and really appreciative because they understand they understand the dynamic that we're dealing with. So another huge complication that you're dealing with right now is just the teachers themselves, even if they're fully vaccinated, they can get sick and, and many teachers are getting sick. They're testing positive. Some are even having symptoms at this point. Have you had trouble with staffing shortages? Yeah, that's that, that that's another tough one um, because they're, the, the shortages is I mean it's it's a national issue um, and you know we do have um, our fill rate is not as high as we want it to be um, having those day to day subs coming in um, but here again these are subs who are just day to day and sometimes they take the assignment and sometimes they don't there was one teacher I want to say it's one of the high school teachers I guess from Edwardsville as I was listening you know teachers. You know, they're resilient and, you know, they're stepping in and stepping up for one another um, and acknowledging that, you know, you have your um, related arts teachers, your art, music and PE teachers who are taking over classes. Um, And that's what teachers do. They are supporting one another. Um, But, you know, here again, as I said last week, this this is not sustainable. Um, And, you know, at some point making some making some hard calls. Do you feel like at this point your district as a, is at risk of needing to close or move to virtual simply because of staff shortages? Or are you close to that? Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to give anything definitive at this point. Sure. Um, and, you know, of course, you, you know, looking at the numbers every single morning and, and at the end of the day. Um, and so, you know, once you, you know, hit that benchmark and, you know, make some, make some decisions, you know, it's just really hard to say at this point um, because I know that, you know, we all want the children in school. We all do. Um, but at the same time, there's, you know, there's that bigger dynamic that we're going to have to deal with at some point, and that's just having the proper coverage in the classroom. 
So Missouri has a law that limits schools to 36 hours of virtual instruction per school year. That obviously doesn't apply under a hybrid model. But if you went all virtual, is that something on your mind that you feel like that that might hold you back from going virtual because you know you can't do it too much? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, we actually had our superintendent's call and, and looking at um, how we are calculating attendance if, in fact, a school has to go completely virtual. And so we have the alternative method of instruction plan, what we call AMIX, um, and, you know, certainly letting your uh, DESE, letting our DESE supervisor know that this is the uh, option that we're moving toward. And so um, either we, we can or we don't have to touch those 36 hours um, because if we're completely going virtual and there's evidence teachers are logging on, we can actually capture that as, a, as an actual attendance day. Hmm. So it, it seems, um, you know, it's, it's a, little, a little gray, um, and it's still a little gray for a lot of us, um, but we're, you know, looking at all of our options if, in fact, we have to move to complete virtual. I want to go to the phone lines. Uh, Ray Cummings is actually on the phone. Uh, he's the president of the uh, St. Louis Local 420, which represents teachers in St. Louis. Ray, hi. Uh, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Hi there. This is Byron Clemens with uh, AFT. Ray had me jump on instead. Hello, Dr. Knight. Hi, Mr. Clemens. How are you? So good to hear your voice. I'm doing great during these uh, awful times. Um, you know, it's been two years since the first recorded death from COVID in China, and this has just been an incredible journey for every one of us, but particularly in education. Uh, you know, a similar story to Jennings, uh, that, that we had to figure this out and, and kind of design the plan as the airplane's flying. Thank goodness we made a lot of good decisions early on. Um, I have to say, in St. Louis Public Schools, our folks are vaccinated. Um, we didn't know when we first started this that three- and four-year-olds would wear masks, but they have. Uh, I, I can't say enough about how courageous our teachers and support personnel have been to look after kids and for everyone. And I want to um, thank you, Byron, for those comments. It's it, it's a great point there that teachers have soldiered on and, and people have discovered new things. Four-year-olds can wear masks. That is definitely, that was news to a whole lot of us. Uh, that, again, was Byron Clemens. He's with the AFT, uh, which represents teachers throughout the area. And my guest today is Jennings School Superintendent Paula Knight. We're talking about how Jennings is dealing with just these unprecedented issues hitting schools right now. We do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with Superintendent Knight. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.
Welcome back. We're talking today to Jennings School Superintendent Paula Knight about how school districts are dealing with this huge spike in COVID cases. Once again, we're in this boat in Missouri. Uh, Paula, just before the break, we heard from Byron Clemens, who's an organizer for the Teachers Union. I think he makes a great point here. Do you feel like your staff has, has stepped up in some ways that, that almost surprise even uh, themselves? The, the, the staff definitely has stepped up, but I can't say um, I'm surprised. Uh, I'm incredibly proud um, at the way that the staff has really stepped up and, you know, to see the, the PE teacher teaching, you know, third grade reading. I mean, it's it's fantastic, and, and that's what we do, and that's what, as teachers, you know, we step up and support each other because we recognize, you know, let's say, you know, wave the wand and Omnicron is gone, we know staff would be here. They would be here, um, and that's, you know, that's what we recognize every single day when we step up and say what support is needed at my school today. So one of the things, there's been anecdotal reports across the U.S. that teachers are dealing with behavioral problems that feel unprecedented to them, that that, that period of being at home um, maybe caused some problems for kids, that they're not reacting well to being back in the classroom. Is that something you're seeing in Jennings? There, there are some challenges, and, you know, we're really uh, strengthening our social and emotional uh, learning support, uh, SEL, um, and, you know, getting our counselors uh, involved as well as our social, social workers uh, to sit down with kids and, and to have, you know, some sessions with them around, you know, what are you feeling, uh, what are you thinking, and, um, you know, getting art involved and, you know, letting kids draw their feelings, um, paint their feelings. Uh, so it's uh, so we're taking some some creative steps uh, to really address this because it is an issue. So this situation has also been very hard on parents, to say the least. And we had asked for the perspective of parents, and some local parents left us voicemails sharing what they're dealing with. Here's what they had to say. Essentially, we are back in exactly the same situation as we were a year ago. And the expectation is that uh, once these schools would go virtual, I should be home with them. However, I also should be a functioning member of society and be holding down a 40-hour-a-week job, which, um, which is just not possible. I would have never thought that like, I would hear both of my children, particularly my younger child, who's a little more emotive, um, sort of waxing rhapsodic about her dream of one day not wearing a mask at school. <laughs> or just eating lunch in the cafeteria, or I can't wait until we can have, you know, indoor recess where we can actually play ball or something and not have to stay in our own little spaces. It's an odd time to sort of hear that from kids as something that they really miss because you never think of kids really missing much about school. We pulled our children out of pre-K and preschool. They're age four and three um, after Christmas break, and we're keeping them home the rest of the semester, and I'm going to homeschool them. Um, because of the rise in the Omicron cases and their inability to be vaccinated. It was also determined by their school district that masks would become optional as of the end of January, which was concerning for us. There was no plan for the school to go virtual, and we just thought it was the right thing to do to keep our kids home. Uh, I'm grateful that my child's district, uh, St. Louis Public Schools, requires everyone to wear masks. Uh, and I'm really grateful to the teachers, administrators, and cafeteria staff, and nurses, and bus drivers, and all the other staff who are doing the hard work to make sure my child's education continues uninterrupted. This has been scary. This has been terrifying, the idea that uh, my children could be put at risk 
uh, that their health, their well-being, um, that the community itself was in danger, that our teachers and um, other educators are also putting themselves at risk to uh, educate my children. We have a lot of friends who are teachers, and it is really, um, that's who's not okay. <laughs> I mean, the kids are the kids are dealing with their own stuff, but the teachers and classroom staff and you know, building professionals and nurses and speech therapists and, and everyone else, I really, I don't know how they're hanging on because it is a really just destabilizing time. And those are parents Amanda Doyle, Catherine Bonney, Hanley Chang, and David Weiss. Uh, Superintendent Paula Knight, hearing what those parents had to say, it was so nice to see them so aware of what teachers are dealing with um, and just the graciousness that they showed. Has that been universally the case uh, from the parents that you deal with? It has been. It has been. Um, parents appreciate, you know, the mask mandate. Um, I sent a message over the break, you know, just reminding everyone we're coming back um, in January with masks and uh, the hand washing, all of those um, things that we put in place. Um, and the feedback uh, was positive. Thank you for ensuring that, you know, the, as one parent said, my child's learning will not be interrupted and distracted by, you know, someone not having on a mask. Um, these are scary times, as one parent said. I was just taking some notes while I was listening. Um, but at the same time, you know, teachers, making sure that, you know, my teachers are taking care of themselves um, because that's, Self-care is important during these times as well. So masks have been such a flashpoint in some other districts. We're seeing just very angry fights in front of the Board of Education. What do you think is different in Jennings that that your parents and and the district seem like you're on such the same page there? We are. um, And, you know, a lot of it has to do with just, you know, the the community um, and the feeling or the buy-in. Every community is different, and here in Jennings, um, the community has been incredibly, incredibly supportive of the mask mandate, and when I see them, there is no reminders, pull your mask up, pull your mask up, unless I'm talking to, you know, in this case, a four-year-old, because they're learning, Um, but they have been very supportive. Um, Anything that, you know, teachers ask them to do to support what's happening in the classroom, they're stepping up. But the reality is, Sarah, it depends on the community. Every community, in terms of how they have embraced um, this virus or not, uh, it just depends on the, on the community. It's interesting. I, I think you, you noted a comment from a parent who said that they're happy to do this because they know this is a way to, to not have distractions, to be able to keep the in-person classroom education going. I feel like the parents at, at my kid's school, I hear them say the same thing. Like, we want to do whatever we can to keep our kids in school. And we're not yeah. going to fight about the little stuff. Like, we just want to right. support the district. Do you hear that from parents? Absolutely. A- absolutely. The, the emails, the, the, the phone calls, um, the voice messages, you know, Dr. Knight, you, you know, or, or a principal, let us know what you need. Um, and the parents have stepped up and, you know, because they do want their children in school and, and taking off the table, um, I got to go to work, so I need to drop my child off somewhere. It's, it's more than that. It's beyond that. Recognizing, you know, when we were in virtual, they saw their child or their children in some cases struggling. Um, in recognizing that there is no greater instructional practice or learning environment than to be with an actual classroom teacher, than to be with their teacher in person. 
So we also heard from a number of parents um, on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page, as well as the Public Radio Parents Facebook page. If you're listening and you're interested in joining either group, just search for that um, on Facebook. I think you just have to answer a few questions in each case to prove you're not a robot or trying to sell something. Uh, Once you do that, you can join. Um, So some of the comments we got, Crystal writes on Facebook, both of my kids' schools are in person right now. I pulled our teen to remote learning for now due to a high number of cases at the high school. She adds, it's difficult. I'm worried about our other child who is still in school, and I'm worried about the educational quality and mental health for our teen who is at home. Justine writes on Facebook, last semester my second grader missed 39% of their in-person classes due to exposure. This semester the school changed policy, and despite them being exposed last week, they would have been allowed to return to campus this week, joining from different rooms. Unfortunately, they then had an exposure on Sunday and are quarantined under doctor's orders. Now there is no virtual instruction because the rest of the classes can be on campus. So they're playing on apps this week while we parents work. So that's a complicated situation Justine is dealing with. But I think it does also point to that changing guidance. Uh, Superintendent Knight, do you feel like you're able to keep up with how fast things are changing from the CDC and from county health departments and and how people want you to handle when there's an exposure in the classroom? Yeah, we, yeah, I, I don't, um, the, the only challenge that I would say that, you know, we are, you know, struggling with is, you know, how we are capturing the attendance rates if we happen to go virtual and, and ensuring that we're still abiding by the state guidelines. You know, when it comes to doing what's in the best interest of the children, um, you know, there, there's some guidance uh, that you do take from the CDC, uh, from the health department, and then you have to do what's in the best interest of your school community. And so to answer your question, yes. Uh, no, I don't, you know, feel as if that there's any challenge with keeping up with the ever-changing um, times. You have to do what's in the best interest. And so, as I spoke earlier, around looking at positivity rates by school, by building, you know, the state, uh, the community health department may say, you know, anything that's 20% or higher that is considered um, red alert. You know, well, it depends on your school community. You really need to look at that because it may be lower than that in some instances because you have the recurrence from some staff and some kids. And so it just, it depends on your school and and as a superintendent, knowing what's in the best interest of the district. And you feel like that flexibility, you understand Jennings in the way that a state bureaucrat or um, somebody coming in from outside your community just doesn't have that that granular understanding. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And would would welcome the conversation uh, with any of them. So in addition to talking about um, how schools are dealing with this and how school administrators like Superintendent Knight are dealing with this, we have also heard from parents' voices today, and I I can speak on behalf of parents. So many parents right now are so frustrated. One of the parents we heard from in that earlier montage was Catherine Bonney. Now, she's a parent with children in the St. Louis Public Schools and also a charter school. Um, Her kids have been all virtual since the new year. She says she's incredibly frustrated by the situation, and she noted that it affects her bottom line and that of many other parents. This pandemic burden on parents is um, completely unrecognized. It is invisible to leadership and there isn't any relief (laughs) in sight. So I am putting forth the proposal that the pandemic funds that are available for every day that we need to close our schools down due to virtual learning, that the families be compensated because it's hard enough trying to survive the pandemic. It's terrifying enough to know that Omicron is dangerous to children and that, you know, my, my four and a half year old son's health is endangered. 
you know, and my girls who are vaccinated are still in danger, to know that that is something that is in my head, something I have to think about. When I add financial concerns on top of it, it is almost unsurvivable. And that, again, is St. Louis Public Schools parent Catherine Bonney um, sharing a proposal there. So just a lot of things that different constituencies are dealing with as we deal with these difficult questions. Superintendent Paula Knight, we're still in this pandemic. It's still such a big deal to deal with. What would help you right now in the Jennings School District? If you could wave a magic wand, let's say you couldn't say the pandemic was over, but, but you could make something else happen, what would be the one thing that would make your job easier at this point? Well, I can't say um, easier is uh, would be uh, the, the the best word to use, but begin to see how the rates, the, the positivity rates, are on the decline. Mm-hmm. As quickly as we saw the surge just literally happen overnight, uh, being able to see these numbers bottom out just as quickly. And so, you know, I do believe that, you know, these numbers will, um, they will decrease, they will go down. Um, but I do believe just, you know, being in flu and cold season, uh, this is where we are. Uh, this, is, this is the season that we are in. And coming back from being on break for two weeks, um, being with family, you know, we miss and love our families and we want to, you know, be with them and love on them. You know, unfortunately, you know, some things happen. Um, but the ideal would be to see as quickly as we saw the surge to quickly see these numbers uh, begin to bottom out. And it sounds like you're watching those numbers very carefully. Every day. Every day. Well, Jennings School Superintendent Paula Knight, thank you so much for joining us today. And we wish you the best of luck as you continue to deal with this. Thank you, Sarah. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.